is 2007, and a well-spoken woman named Clara Daniels is being interviewed at the Virginia Holocaust Museum. She dresses in a soft pink sweater, but her outfit does no justice to what she's been through. Clara speaks many different languages, including German, Hungarian, and, the language of the interview, English. She is a Holocaust survivor, and her story is one to be heard. Clara Daniels was born on October 17, 1923, a date she has ceased to forget. She grew up in a small, mostly Jewish town near Kishvarda, Hungary, called Nierkaz. Only a few hundred people lived there, therefore many of the children were very close, regardless of their religion. Kishvarda was flourishing at that time, and the number of Jewish residents kept rising. Growing up on her grandfather's farm, Clara made many memories, including meeting her best friend Clara, learning at the farm school, and witnessing the horror of her own father's drawn-out death. The farm had an alcohol factory, and it was the central point in the farm's community. During her childhood, she was lucky enough to live in an area where anti-Semitism did not exist. Additionally, up until 1933, there were no government problems that threatened the Jewish people. Christian, Protestant, Catholic, and Jewish people all lived in harmony up until Hitler's rise to power. It was in 1933 that Hitler became Führer and ruled Germany. During those years, observant Clara listened to all the stories and wondered about this strange man and why he did what he did. After Clara graduated high school in Kishvarda, she stayed back at the farm and helped out around the house. During these years, her grandfather and grandmother died, and the Nazis invaded Hungary in 1942. This was a surprise to everyone because Hungary and Germany had been on pretty good terms with each other. Hitler had been aware of the Hungarian Prime Minister Kalle's deceit and fearing that Hungary might conclude a separate peace, in March 1944, he launched Operation Margothy and ordered Nazi troops to occupy Hungary. A few weeks later in 1944, the Hungarian police came and her life was turned upside down. This had been a good day because she was all dressed up and ready to go dress shopping. While she was waiting in the horse and carriage though, she noticed the police coming up the pathway. She and the rest of her family were given strict directions, pack a small suitcase with only the essentials. After she was packed, she and her family were put into a horse and buggy and taken to their first ghetto. The ghetto was anything but nice. Back then, the purpose of the ghettos was to isolate the Jewish people from the rest of the non-Jewish community, and that's exactly what it did. Clara describes the ghetto as basically a warehouse and that the experience was awful. The ghetto held about 300 Jewish people, men and women, but over time it became a place where over 7,000 Jewish people were concentrated. It had no bathroom, awful food, and nothing to do to pass the time. The sick were killed so that they weren't a burden, and no one tried to escape because they knew it would be impossible. However, Claire was given an opportunity to escape around the time that she arrived. She was approached by a soldier and was told that she could leave if she wanted. But the catch was that she would have to leave her family behind. Claire was opposed to this idea. She was stubborn about sticking with her family. After a little bit, there were trucks that came and took them to a train station where she was guarded until a train came in the evening. Riding on the train was torture. The quote-unquote Holocaust trains were railway transports run by the Douche Reichsbahn National Railway Systems under the strict supervision of the German Nazis and their allies. They were cattle cars, and there were only tiny windows, little food and water, and absolutely no privacy. 
Little did she know that what was coming would be a lot worse than riding on a train. Arriving in Auschwitz was, was something she never expected. The Auschwitz concentration camp was a complex of over 40 concentration and extermination camps operated by Nazi Germany and Poland. Upon her entrance, she was greeted by the disgusting smell of burning flesh and the horrors of death all around her. Many of the parents and children were being killed on the spot for being too old or too weak. The people who did make the cut, Clara and her cousins, were given junky clothes, no coat, and awful shoes. All of the prisoners were so tired that they weren't even afraid. Clara, Ava, Susan, and Katie walked forward with their hands together so that they wouldn't be separated and could stick together. After the girls made it through, Clara and the others had to watch people get killed right in front of their own eyes. Her first night in Auschwitz was terrible. She had to sleep in a small tight bunk with little warmth and no way to use the bathroom because there was no toilet. The barracks were primitive wooden structures with only wooden shelves to sleep on. Despite the circumstances, Clara and her friends knew not to try and escape. There were armed male guards everywhere that wouldn't hesitate to shoot anyone if they stepped out of place. From that day on, her daily routine was fairly simple and repetitive. She would wake up to the German whistle and run out of her barrack, then everyone would have to stand and watch the selection, and then she would go to work on the streets or eat. During her time there, she was only beaten occasionally, and it was only on her arm. Compared to the other people in the camps, she got, e she got off easy. One of her clearest memories was when she stole from a German barrack. One of her jobs at the camp was to clean the German barracks. While she was cleaning, she noticed a piece of bread on the table. Keeping her eyes on the target, she moved, slow she moved closer, reached out her hand, and snatched the bread right up. Making sure no one saw, she stuffed it under her dress and hurried back home to her cousins. On her way back, she was a nervous, sweaty wreck because she knew that if she was caught, she would be killed. Although life in Auschwitz was, was, br was brutal, there were slips in time where she felt neutral. She sang songs with some other girls she met, and through it all, she was able to stay with her cousins. But these instances were few, and many of her hours were spent working, itching lice, and watching the selection. However, some unfortunate sporadic events were the hangings. They were common at Auschwitz, but their timing was random and was never expected. Out of all the hangings Claire had to witness, the most gruesome one was when she had to watch a little boy get hung. During that time, she was beaten on the arm for closing her eyes, and everyone was forced to watch. Like I said before, many of the girls experienced a lot of lice, and many got sick. The problem with getting sick, though, was that you couldn't tell because you would be killed. An example of this was when Clara's foot swelled up from malnutrition. It was obviously bad, but she knew that she couldn't ask for a doctor because she would be killed for being weak. By not telling anyone, she was able to make it through and ignore the pain. Clara and her cousin stayed in Auschwitz for three to four months, and then eventually the time came to be moved to Dachau. Like before, the prisoners were transported in cattle-like freight trains with horrible conditions. She was transferred to this next camp in September, and it was even worse than the first. The prisoners weren't even given barracks. They just had to sleep in this beaten down room that had ice on the walls, no toilet, and it was always freezing, and they only had a tiny sink for brushing up. Similar to Auschwitz, upon their arrival, they had to witness the ever-famous selection to see whether or not they would make it for round two. As you would expect, Clara did. However, unlike Auschwitz, all prisoners were given blue and white striped uniforms to wear. Every day, she was marched to work where she had to pack bullets and ammunition in a factory. 
It was cold work, especially during the freezing winters. One day, though, as she was walking home, the factory that she had just been working in was bombed by the Americans. This was the prisoner's first sign of hope because the Germans were clearly getting uncomfortable under the American pressure. Every day after that, selections were made and the Germans killed whoever they thought wasn't fit enough to say. Stay. One of the main events was the death march. The prisoners were marched all around and were shot or beaten if they stopped or stepped out of line. Clara had to participate, and throughout this, she never saw any German civilians because they were literally separated from everyone else. During that time, she and her cousins were marched to an old German barrack in Allah. Finally, the day came where the camps were liberated. It was towards the end of May. Hitler surrendered on May 8th, or VE Day, so the prisoners were at the camp a little longer than they should have been. Clara described the scene as glorious, and she fell in love with the American army. They looked so heroic, and the prisoners were so grateful that they were finally being saved. One thing she remembered is that she thought the soldiers were from Texas. She thought this because of their strong Texan accent. Once the Americans came, she and the other prisoners were thrown raw potatoes to eat from the German soldiers' private gardens. After staying a little longer under the protection of the Americans, the prisoners, including Claire, were moved out towards the end of May. From there, everyone was taken to a nice camp in Germany. It obviously wasn't a five-star hotel, but it still provided the essentials. Food, water, a bathroom, and a bed with actual sheets. Clara and her cousins stayed for a little bit, but ultimately decided to run away back home to Hungary. Once they were back in their own country, they kept going to Budapest and then eventually back to their little town near Kishvarda. Four girls were home. But the farm wasn't exactly as they left it. There was now a new Jewish couple living in the house, and the Russians had somehow managed to get that old alcohol factory working again. After staying at the farm for a little while, Clara got a letter from her cousin in America. The letter contained some money and an invitation to come live in America. Clara then made the ultimate decision to be the first in her family to leave Hungary. But leaving Hungary wasn't as easy as it seemed. Clara had to wait till nightfall to quietly sneak across the border. During her venture on land, she made many friends and was given food to aid her on her journey. Once she arrived at the shore, she and other Jewish people were boarded onto an American troop ship. The sail was hard and they encountered many storms and were seasick. But the time came where they arrived in America. The date was July 15, 1949, and her entrance to the shore of New York was greeted by the one and only Statue of Liberty. After landing, Clara was met by a lady sent by her cousin. The lady took her to a hotel where she would be staying, but the cousin wasn't that big of a help. In fact, later on, Clara remembered that she barely helped at all and never really got to see her. As a young woman of 25, Clara was alone and confused in this strange new world. Once she was settled in, she didn't really have anything to keep herself occupied in the hotel, so she, so she began to work there for fun. One day, Clara heard a knock at her door and answered it. It turned out to be another relative, her aunt, and this one offered Clara a place to stay at her house. Clara took up this opportunity and didn't even bother to say goodbye because she didn't think her cousin really cared at all. After moving in with her aunt for three weeks, she reunited with her future husband Carrie in Brooklyn. Clara had met Carrie before once in Germany, but now they were able to really get to know each other in America. He was an immigrant from Poland and was also in Auschwitz. After a while, she decided to move in with him, and then they were married in May 1951. Her first real job after that was cutting cotton for clothing, and with the money she made, they were able to rent a small apartment together. 
From then on, the two of them raised a family, two sons. However, Clara preferred to keep her stories to herself for a little longer. She didn't want to scare her children, but she knew that she would tell them eventually. Later on in her life, Clara became loved by all the children in her neighborhood and was requ requested often to read them stories. She lived a happy rest of her life and died in 2018, much to the sadness of everyone who knew her. Listening to Clara's story has changed the way I view the world. Instead of just being grateful for the things I have, I'm also thankful for my family and friends. I've learned from her that I need to embrace the life I have because it could take a turn at, at any time. Even then, in 2007, Clara still remembered the days and nights where she couldn't see herself having a future. But even though those memories will be with her forever, she doesn't let it ruin the life she has now. I think we all look in the mirror and can instantly see the flaws in ourselves, but why not look at the good things? Life is too short and we need to move forward with our hands together and our heads held high. I have a short quote from Clara Daniels from when she was in the concentration camps, and this quote is, We always held each other's hands.